This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Today, we're talking about Madam C.J. Walker, and she's known as the first Black millionaire, and she's also described as the first woman self-made millionaire in the United States. In 1910, her company, Madam C.J. Walker Manufacturing Company, was based in Indianapolis and featured hair care products for Black women. Her company was incorporated in 1911. And today, what I want to share with you are some important elements about how she designed her business and what her business success story is all about, because those elements are still relevant and valid for any business that desires to be successful today. But first, let me tell you a little bit about her backstory. She was born in Louisiana in 1867, and she was born to parents who had formerly been enslaved. Her full name was Sarah Breedlove McWilliams Walker. She was widowed and a mother at the age of 20 years old, and she had to find a way to care for her family under very difficult conditions because she was raising her family under the old Jim Crow laws, which really had a lot of systematic systems and segregation and racial barriers in place. And it was an era where women certainly couldn't vote and Blacks, whether male or female, couldn't vote at all. And she had a lot of odd jobs like being a washerwoman, but that really didn't provide a high level of living standard for her family. Now, she was a woman of vision. So Madam C.J. Walker had a vision that she was going to be able to create a respectable and honorable business to create honorable and respectable jobs for a multitude of other Black women, jobs that provided true economic opportunity. She also wanted to contribute to the broader culture and community of Black people in general. Her vision always included others, and she wanted to figure out how she could add value and lift up the whole community. Her interest was way beyond just self-interest alone. Now, just a little bit about her business beginning. Eventually, she remarried in 1906 to Charles J. Walker. They lived in Denver, Colorado. She manufactured five different hair care products that she and her husband started selling door to door. Eventually, they moved the business to Indianapolis, and there she started with about 5,000 agents. And by the time that she died in 1919, she had about 20,000 agents in her business, and she had operations in the United States, in the Caribbean, and also in South America. Now, at one point in her history, because she was a bold woman, 
She spoke to Booker T. Washington about being a part of the National Negro Business League. And there was a meeting in Chicago. Now, Booker T. Washington, looking at her as a woman, he actually just snubbed her. He didn't take her seriously. So uninvited, she showed up in Chicago. And at that National Negro Business League meeting, she gets up on the stage, sits next to Booker T. Washington, and at an appropriate time, she stood to the podium and the mic and talked about her business. And when she finished, there was thunderous applause for what it was that she was trying to do to uplift the community. So some hallmarks of how she operated, I want to talk about those. One was really creating what I would call real economic opportunity. And that meant that she was actually offering women a chance to have wages that were fair. And in her employ, her agents could earn more in a week than they could earn in an entire month doing the meager jobs that were available for Black women at the time. She also offered them 42% retail margins if they bought their products from her factory. So her agents, they could buy from her wholesale. They could sell on the market retail. They could develop their own book of business and in essence have their own entrepreneurial business enterprise. In essence, she was creating a multi-level marketing company where the agents owned their own businesses. So that was one piece, this economic opportunity she wanted to build in. Secondly, she had flexible and caring finance terms. So there was a $25 fee in order to get the training necessary to be an agent. However, some people couldn't afford that. So when necessary, she reduced or eliminated that fee. And for everything that she was doing with her agents and other partners, she created very fair and very reasonable payment terms. She also resourced the startups of salons from her financial resources. She provided loans and affordable installment plans so that people could begin their own beauty salons. And in one case, just as an example of the caring nature of her business, she had one agent who had a fire at her place and she lost everything to the fire. And so Madam C.J. Walker She made sure that her business people provided some options and terms to that agent so that she could still resupply, get new supplies, and continue to run her business and care for her family without worrying about whether she could pay all of the money up front. So they created something that was affordable for her to do. In addition to these flexible and caring finance terms, she also provided education and training. And for this, she herself actually had her own beauty schools that she developed, her own course curriculums, and she even had a correspondence course. So if you geographically couldn't get to where she was or where the business was located, no problem. You could actually take the courses by correspondence. She also sought out very high quality institutional partners like Black colleges and also Black technical institutions. And she offered her curriculum to them because she was creating a profession of Black women's hair care. She used her financial resources also to fund labs 
in those schools. She really built partnerships that were really win-win opportunities for her, for the schools, and also for the agents. Ultimately, she ended up having schools of her own in Indiana, St. Louis, Dallas, Chicago, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, and also Harlem in New York. And again, her aim was professionalization of the field. So she had an agency. She started a group that was called National Beauty and Culturalists and Benevolent Association of Madam C.J. Walker Agents Incorporated. And through that organization, she organized her agents into local club groups so that they had peers, they had people that they could communicate with and learn from, and she cultivated very strong relationships between the agents. And what you have to understand is back in those days, it was incredibly difficult for a Black person to have their own business and have it be successful and without a lot of interference. And so by creating the support systems in place, she gave them the empowerment and the means to continue living out the dream that they were building. Now, not only were they trying to earn money for themselves and for their families, she strongly believed in philanthropy. And so she modeled that and she practiced it and also citizen activism, because again, not only was she lifting up individual women and their families, she was also lifting up an entire community of Black people. So even when she didn't have much money and her own resources were limited, she still practiced philanthropy. She donated to Black schools and to Black organizations. And in the year that she died, which was 1919, she donated $5,000 to the NAACP. And that was the largest amount of money in a donation that the NAACP ever received It allowed them to stay vibrant and alive so that by the time we get to the civil rights movement in the 50s and then the 60s, they actually were able to participate at a high level and to make a huge difference. They probably wouldn't have been able to do that without her philanthropic gesture and giving such a large sum of money. She also lobbied political people on issues that affected the livelihoods and really the lives of Black people. So for example, she sent a letter to President Woodrow Wilson where she was really lobbying for and pressing for anti-lynching legislation. And lynching was very common at that time period. So Black people had to live in fear of their lives day in and day out. Now, early in her business life, I don't know all of her influences and who she learned from, but one of her early business influences was a woman named Annie Minerva Turnbow Pope Malone. Annie Minerva Turnbow Pope Malone also was in the beauty industry, and Madam C.J. Walker was one of her early students in 1905. And the school that Pope Malone started, which is called the Pearl School, might have at one time had even as many as 75,000 agents. The company ultimately moved to Chicago. It ended up being poorly managed and didn't do well. So it's possible that Madam C.J. Walker saw an opportunity to run a business that's very similar, but to do it better. Later on, In the years, long after Minerva Turnbow, Pope Malone had died and so on and so forth, 
that company ran into problems. There were lawsuits in the 1930s. And by the time we get to 1950, most of the assets of that company had to be sold off. Now, in contrast, Madam C.J. Walker was able to build a mansion in Irvington, New York, on the Hudson River. And the mansion was called Villa Lewaro. And she only, unfortunately, got to live there for about a year before she herself actually died. Now, her company, even though we're into 2021 now, her company lived way beyond her earthly years. So Madam C.J. Walker's company was acquired by a group called Sundial. They were operating under the name Sephora. And then in recent years, the company was sold to Unilever. And under Unilever, they have created a foundation that's called New Voices Foundation. And that's to support Black women entrepreneurs. And there's a plan to take the mansion that Madam C.J. Walker had in New York on the Hudson River and to convert that mansion into a training center for New Voices Fellows. So you might be wondering, what are the take-home lessons for today and for you as today's business person? Number one, think beyond yourself. Build people, build communities, and create a lasting legacy. Number two, Provide true economic opportunity. Partner with those who are making money for you and make money for them as well. Give them a higher quality of life. Provide education and training to the people who you employ. That's number three. Number four, create win-win partnerships. We know from Madam C.J. Walker, she had partnerships with other schools and technical schools, and God only knows who else. And she moved in many different directions, even to be a financier, one who was loaning money and installments to various other people. So create the win-win partnership. Number five, give back to others. That's the big part of her philanthropy. She definitely did that. And in doing so, number six, become a best place to work. When you operate your business with these principles, you're developing a loyal workforce who will actually be your champions out there in the marketplace. Now, I also want to cover something else that I don't know anyone else is particularly talking about, but it struck me when I think about Madam C.J. Walker's name. I mentioned to you that her name was something completely different you know, earlier on in her life, but her husband, she actually was naming the business CJ after him. She was Madam, which was Mrs. Now, this is very important. Black women at the time were often disrespected and were not addressed by appropriate titles. In fact, if you were a young white child, You could talk to a Black woman who was old enough to be your mother or your grandmother and call her by her first name. So Madam C.J. Walker built the title into her business. She was Madam, and that stands for Mrs., for example, in French. And the C.J. Walker also gave her 
the benefit of marriage. And for so long through the years of slavery and also in the post-slavery era, Black women were often not accorded the benefits that came with marriage. So in her name, she put all of that in, Madam C.J. Walker. Now, her maiden name, last name, was Breedlove. And, you know, I think she kind of lived into her maiden name because she was breeding love in all that she did and building her business. She's a role model and someone to consider and to think about as you are continuing to build your business today in the 21st century. And as we close today, I want to share what I'm calling today's biblical word of wisdom. And the story of Madam C.J. Walker reminds me of this verse. And the verse is, the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. And that's Proverbs 11.25. Thank you and see you next time. Did you know that teams do the bulk of the work in successful organizations. And for this reason, it's very important to build and develop your teams. And first, you might want to know where you are in the process. So I invite you to take the complimentary team assessment to identify your current strengths and also your learning opportunities in launching and developing high-performance teams that get dynamic organizational results. So go to my website, www.transleadership.com, and you'll see on the homepage, there's a brown bar that says, take the high-performance team assessment. You'll find it just under the running photographs. Click there and get your results. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.